Welcome back to the Adam Schefter Podcast. And as we record this, Tuesday morning, we are exactly 100 days until the kickoff of the NFL regular season, the Detroit Lions at the Kansas City Chiefs. And wait till you see how fast these 100 days go. Before you know it, we'll be prepping for that Thursday night opener in Kansas City And the 100 days, I believe, will fly right through. Until then, we are going to be joined today by the 49ers' outstanding defensive lineman, Eric Armstead, a first-round pick in the 2015 NFL Draft out of the University of Oregon. He's now entering his ninth season with the 49ers, where he's been a vital part of their defensive line. And during that time, he's also been the 49ers' nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award three times for his exceptional community work off the field, and that will continue Thursday night when he hosts his first annual kickoff for kids charity event benefiting the Armstead Academic Project, which ensures education equity for the next generation. And the work that he's done with his foundation, with the Armstead Academic Project, it's outstanding. Basically, it was founded in 2019, From football camps to mentoring youth in detention, the nonprofit has reached 5,000 at-risk youth from the Bay Area to Sacramento, and the Armstead Academic Project has provided free tutoring, STEM education, Chromebooks, writing workshops, and field trips to colleges in partnership with affordable housing developer Mercy Housing. Armstead has poured more than a half a million dollars of his own money into the nonprofit, so we'll be joined by him. And he's got a lot to say, and he's already contributed an awful lot. And we've had big news on Friday, of course. The Arizona Cardinals wound up releasing the perennial Pro Bowl wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, who now hits the free agent market. And really, when you think about it, the reason the Cardinals released him rather than trade him is because there wasn't a team out there that was willing to take on the 19 19- million that was due in his contract this year. And Hopkins all along was willing to take less and knew he had to take less. The problem is, is that Odell Beckham Jr.'s deal with Baltimore distorted the market a little bit because the Ravens gave Beckham $15 million. And that $15 million was more than Hopkins was going to get. And Hopkins, the last few years and really over the course of his career, has been a more accomplished receiver. But Beckham was in the right place at the right time for the right franchise. Baltimore needed him not only to upgrade the position, but to help lure back Lamar Jackson. And so Beckham got the kind of deal that I think will be challenging for DeAndre Hopkins to get. And it created problems in how much he would take with other teams. And ultimately recognizing that they were unable to trade him, and we're going to be unable to trade him for quite some time. If ever, the Cardinals just made the decision to out and out release him. And so now Hopkins is a free agent and has the ability to sign wherever he wants. The problem is we're already into the summer and there aren't a lot of teams that have A, the need at the position, and B, the cap space to make it happen as great and as accomplished as he's been. So when we look at the options, really, I know people have talked about Kansas City, Buffalo, New England, Cleveland. 
those to me would be the ones that would seem to make the most sense. Now, there always could be another team that comes out of the woodworks that we don't expect. And something could happen that could change events where a team suffers an injury, loses a player for whatever reason, and they decide they need to upgrade their wide receivers. But I think we're really talking about Casey, Buffalo, New England, and Cleveland. And now let's go case by case. Kansas City is the one to me that makes the most sense. The problem is, is that they've got financial question marks. And some of the money that they may have given to DeAndre Hopkins when they spoke to the Cardinals about a trade earlier this offseason has gone elsewhere. The Buccaneers gave free agent offensive lineman Donovan Smith $9 million. That's money they don't have to give to DeAndre Hopkins anymore. Now, at some point this summer, I do think the Chiefs will wind up redoing the contract of their defensive lineman, Chris Jones, and they're going to have to figure out a way to address the contract situation of Patrick Mahomes, who has become more and more like Tom Brady in the way he handles himself. Tom Brady would say all the right things publicly, but behind closed doors, there might have been some things going on that people didn't hear or see, and really... He protected his image in the best way. And I think Mahomes has done a great job of that as well. He has made it known he'd rather win championships and cement his legacy than make money. But I think he does want to make money, right? He's got nine years left in his contract, and he is entitled to make whatever he asks for. He is the best player in the game. He should ask for more. But he hasn't made a big deal about it publicly. He's been very smart about it. And so the Chiefs have to redo Chris Jones. They have to redo Patrick Mahomes. And once they do that, they'll have a little bit more flexibility to bring in a guy like DeAndre Hopkins if the two sides can find common ground to work out a deal between the two of them. But he could thrive there in that offense and I think would be a huge addition to the Chiefs' offense. And again, it hasn't happened yet, and we'll see whether it happens in the future, but we'll see. As for the Buffalo Bills and DeAndre Hopkins, the way it was explained to me is people doubt he will wind up in Buffalo. They never say never, but if he wants his money, I don't think he's going to get it in Buffalo. I don't know if he's going to get a lot of it in Kansas City either. So that becomes a little bit challenging. New England could be interesting. New England has a need there. But what I keep coming back to is that in Houston, the man that traded DeAndre Hopkins was the then Texans head coach, Bill O'Brien. And who is the Patriots offensive coordinator now? Bill O'Brien. And I don't think those two individuals, Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins, particularly cared for one another. So now it's okay that they're just going to go back and get back together and be all right working together? I don't know about that. And so when DeAndre Hopkins has his choice or has options of where to go, I don't know that New England is going to be atop his list. Now, it may be the one that makes the most financial sense. And if it is, then of course, everybody can make it work. But I just don't think we start out thinking that New England is going to be a top option, though in the end, it could turn out to be the place he lands. And then, of course, there's the Cleveland Browns. He worked with Deshaun Watson in the past. I'm sure Deshaun Watson would want to work with him again. The Browns certainly could use another wide receiver to complement Amari Cooper, although Donovan Peoples-Jones came on. And they do have some other young wide receiving talent. But Cleveland would make some sense. But again, does DeAndre Hopkins want to go there? 
here's the thing. I think that the public is a lot more interested in DeAndre Hopkins than NFL teams are interested. And all we have to do is look back at the fact that for months he was available and for a multitude of reasons, nobody traded for him. So either they couldn't placate the Arizona Cardinals or couldn't placate DeAndre Hopkins or he didn't want to go to a certain place to restructure. But for a multitude of reasons, he's still out there and he's probably the most high-profile free agent out there with maybe the exception of Ezekiel Elliott. Those are the two guys that I think are the most interesting names out there right now. And so we want months without DeAndre Hopkins' movement and now we'll wait to see when there is movement. I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think it's going to move quickly. I think he could be on the market for a little while. And to me, when I look at it, I look at the Chiefs, the Bills, the Patriots, the Browns, all have some advantages and all have some disadvantages. And we'll see how that works out over time. All right. Here was a little interesting story that I want to share as well. Last week, I had to accompany my daughter, Dylan to Las Vegas for her first trip there. She was involved in a promotional shoot for Nickelodeon where Nickelodeon and CBS, which is airing the Super Bowl this year in Las Vegas, was flying out many of its on-air talents to Las Vegas to shoot them in a variety of ways so they could use those promos throughout the year leading up to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. And so Dylan and I flew out there Monday afternoon after she finished school uh, she spent Tuesday and Wednesday there. And Wednesday night, we had a red eye back. Now, we were seated in the same row, just at opposite ends of the row. So she was in 14A and I was in 14J. Same row, opposite ends. There was a gentleman that walked on. He looked at me. He recognized me. He basically called out to me. I had a brief exchange with him, thanking him for watching ESPN, letting him know I appreciated it, and telling him to basically have a safe flight. Well, what he didn't know was that my daughter was sitting directly behind him. And so this gentleman proceeded to begin DMing on Twitter, or on Instagram, I should say, a friend by the name of Paul Robert Nardelli. And I know this because my daughter, Dylan, Ace investigative reporter was snapping pictures of this guy, and we actually have his name now. Dylan somehow found it out, sending a message to his friend Paul Robert Nardelli. So, anybody who's listening to this right now, they want to let Paul Robert Nardelli know that he's become a topic on this podcast. How that it? But his friend sent him a DM on Instagram at 9 52 p.m. Wednesday night saying, and I read this word for word because Dylan snapped the screen. Adam Schefter is sitting one row away from me. And the guy wrote back, oh, yeah, go give him an OTPHJ. Now, Dylan sends me this and I'm looking at it and I said to Dylan, what's an OTPHJ? And then I began to look at the dictionary and Wikipedia and I looked and I saw it. And I said, I can't believe I just asked my 14-year-old daughter to go look up what an OTPHJ is. And when I saw it, I was mortified. And so this gentleman who sent this message to Paul Robert Nardelli basically gave my 14-year-old daughter an education that we didn't intend to have him. And he responded after Paul Robert Nardelli 
wrote to him, go give him an OTPHJ. Yeah, told him to leave Aaron Rodgers alone. Laughing emoji. Ha, ha, ha. So there was our little exchange on the red-eye flight back from Las Vegas. We were in 14A and J, and this gentleman, who somehow my daughter figured out was named Stephen Kelly, if we can identify him here, Stephen Kelly and Paul Robert Nardelli were engaged in a rather X-rated conversation, ill-suited to a 14-year-old that Stephen Kelly didn't cover up, that he had visible, that my 14-year-old daughter took a picture of and sent to me and made for a rather momentous red eye back from Las Vegas on Wednesday night. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. All right, let's go back to a more philanthropic, charitable, nice topic. Let's shift back to the 49ers' outstanding defensive lineman, Eric Armstead, and the Armstead Academic Project that he started with his wife in 2019. They have their inaugural kickoff dinner Thursday night in Sacramento, benefiting and ensuring education equity for the next generation, the 49ers' great defensive lineman, Eric Armstead. Eric! What's up? How are you? Good. How you doing? Love the shirt. Armstead Academic Project. Very cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, we got to get one of those. We got to get one of those, Eric. Yeah, I can send you one. Okay, let, let's get let's get on that. Look, we got the inaugural kickoff for kids charity event Thursday night in Sacramento, mm -hmm. benefiting the mm -hmm. Armstead Academic Project. This is the first time we're doing this. What led to this? Um. So I. Been doing work in the community my whole career, but I started my nonprofit in 2019. And um, I saw that there was an issue and I didn't like the fact that education was defined by zip code and that certain kids received certain opportunities and others didn't. And so I decided to do something about it. And uh, so our mission is to provide the tools, resources um, for students, no matter the socioeconomic status. And we want to bring equity to education. Um, and in our event this this first June first is our first uh, fundraiser since uh, COVID ended. Um, and yeah, it's presented by Zenny Optical, who's been a amazing partner um, re as of late. And uh, we have partnered together to provide vision screenings and uh, resources, um, glasses for students, so they can see in school as well too. Um, that's the foundation of their 
their education. And if you can't see, you can't focus uh, and you get, you know, far behind in school. So um, that's that's our mission and that's our goal. And, you know, that's what we've been working to accomplish these past few years. So how much can we realistically expect to raise during the fundraiser Thursday night? What's the goal? Um, our goal is 250000 Um Yeah, that's that's our goal uh, with the event. Um, so uh, we've we've uh, we have a lot of great sponsors. Um, we're selling tables. Uh, we'll have a live auction. Um, some of my teammates are coming, and uh, some some other um, celebs. So it should be it should be a great event, a great night, and you know we're really excited. And where can people get more information about the event? More information is at armsteadproject.org. And um, so all the all the information on the nonprofit and um, how you can, if you wanted to attend the galas in Sacramento, California, so, uh, or if you wanted to support or sponsor or donate to the nonprofit in general is armsteadproject.org. Now, you've been nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award three times for your exceptional community work off the field. What does that mean to you, Eric? It's been very, very, uh, uh, I take great pride in that, um, especially to represent the 49ers who we have a team where a lot of guys do a lot of amazing work. And so uh, receiving that honor and representing our team, you know, with that honor has been uh, amazing and it really validates the work that I do in my community. And uh, it gives it gives um, me a bigger platform as well too to, to um, you know, raise more money and, and pour it back into the community and really serve uh, at a high level. So um, it's definitely a great honor to, you know, have been representing the 49ers and being our nominee for the past three years. But you haven't won it yet, have you? Not yet. Would you rather win the Walter <laughs> Payton Man of the Year or the Super Bowl, Eric? Oh, man, you, this, this, you asked, you're asking the tough questions. Um, <laughs> well, they're both they're, – they're both in different buckets, but you know that is kind of more of a um, individual award. Award, even though it uh, it's for you know impacting others. So, I mean, if I had to answer, I would say uh, a Super Bowl. But being a nominee is great as well too. So, I don't necessarily um, have to win the 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 actual award. But being a nominee and being a part of that is great too. Well, why not double dip in February? Why not be nominated? Win. And have the 49ers make it to the Super Bowl and then win there. Like, that would be a pretty good week there, Eric, right? That would be yeah, yeah. the kind of thing you dream about. That's what Withworth did uh, a couple years ago. He was, he, uh, yeah, I, I feel like he had the best retirement season ending to his career. He won the Walter Payton. Uh, then they won the Super Bowl a few days, a week later. And then he he uh, set off to the sunset. And now he's doing TV, so that's what he did. Um, I'm not retiring though, but winning both would definitely be be a, a great great week for sure. But you were able to recollect rather quickly that somebody actually did do that, so you took notice. So the thought must have occurred to you over time that maybe something like that is within your grasp. Yeah, those are always those those. That's always the goal um, is to, you know. Stay hungry. That is the uh, motto uh, I live by, um, and that's being never, never being satisfied. Whether that's on the field, off the field, family, uh, friends, friends, relationships, always striving to be a better player, a better person, 
uh, serve more, help more people, um, you know, be be a better member of society. And so those goals that I have are at the top of the list and they both go hand in hand, everything I believe. Where did that come from, Eric, this desire to serve others and to do well and to create the Armstead Academic Project and to donate a half million dollars of your own money even to put into the project? Where did this generosity and spirit come from? Um, uh, you know, a firm foundation in my faith, uh, you know, I grew up in the church. Um, my parents have always instilled these qualities in, in us. Um, and, you know, just learning and growing and, you know, being a compassionate, uh, human being, I feel like compassion is the number one characteristic. I feel that, uh, people need more of, um, compassion leads to empathy and care for others. And, um, you know, just being a compassionate person, uh, you know, is going to lead you to, you know, wanting to help others. And when you have the resources and the the platform to serve others, you know, that's going to naturally lead you down that path. Now, listen, you're entering your ninth season with the 49ers after being a first round pick in 2015. Is this the kind of work that you envision doing after your football career is over, whenever that may be? 100%. Uh, you know, the goal was when I started this organization um, is to be sustainable, long lasting, um, and, you know, much, you know, continue to have impact, um, you know, way after I'm done playing. So uh, that's the goal. Um, you know, that's easier said than done. You know, it takes uh, some hard, it takes uh, hard work and having some great people be a part of the organization. And we've been, uh, we've been, you know, really progressing these past uh, few years to, um, have that long-term impact, and it's been really fun uh, to do and build, um, and that's what we're going to continue to do. But um, you know, I want to have impact, you know, far, far after I'm done playing. So, will this be the job, the Armstead Academic Project, or what would you like to do after your career, whenever that is? What's what's? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to rush you out or anything. I'm just curious because you're obviously somebody who's put a lot of thought into a lot of different areas. Very giving of yourself. So I'm just curious how that marries up to your post-career outlook. Yeah, not not 100% sure, um, you know, what I would want to do when I'm done playing. Um, you know, I feel uh, I'm blessed uh, to be uh, talented, you know, f- you know, off the off the football field as well, too, and uh, been blessed with intellect. And so I think, you know, whatever I put my mind to and, and apply myself, I'll, I'll have some success in and, um, you know, the game of football has always been great to me and changed my life. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of knowledge about the game, too, that I can share uh, with others as well. Um, and, you know, I'm knowledgeable about other other aspects of, of life as well, too. So um, I guess, you know, whenever that happens, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what I gravitate. Let's share some of that knowledge of your current 49ers football team, if you don't mind. What was your reaction when you heard your team was signing Javon Hargrave away from the Eagles and adding him to an already stacked defensive line? Uh, extremely excited. You know, um, he's, you know, I've been, I've haven't, you know, necessarily met him before, um, you know, signing with us. Uh, but I've, you know, I've seen his career. I've seen him on tape. I've seen him on film and he's, uh, one hell of a player. Uh, he's a dominant, um, deep to tackle in this league. Um, and so adding him to our already, uh, you know, good group of, uh, of players is, is just going to be amazing. Um, 
you know, we uh, we've always made an investment up front here with the Niners and uh, we like to put the game uh, on our shoulders. And, um, you know, when when uh, you want to win a Super Bowl, you better be able to rush forward and get home, um, especially when you're playing against such great quarterbacks late in the season. Um, you're going to need more guys in coverage. And so um, I'm really excited about that. But you have met Javon Hargrave since he signed, correct? Or you still haven't met him? Yeah, I met I met him now. Same previously, I've I've admired his career from afar. Um, hadn't really crossed paths, but now that now that we've signed him and um, you know we we've met and been able to you know work on building a relationship and you know can't wait to take the field with him. You talk about the defensive line getting home, a guy that gets home often, Nick Bosa. What is the thing about him that makes him so effective, Eric? I think. The thing about Nick is a lot of things that people don't see um, on game day. Um, his approach, his preparation, his routine, um, you know, his lifting program, his nutrition. Um, you know, he really, really uh, locks in and um, sets himself up for success to go out there and uh, cut it loose and, and, and just play. Um, you know, he's a dominant player, but, uh, you know, a lot of – a lot of his dominance really comes from um, what he does when he's not on the field and um, how he prepares himself to go out there and, and, and be that, be that player. So being a, getting a chance to be around him for the, for these years and, um, you know, watch his career grow and us play together and us win together and, you know, uh, playing alongside of him has been, has been amazing. Have you tried to replicate his diet in any way or his lifting sessions in any way, anything that you've taken from him, and implemented into your own programs, Eric. Hundred percent, yeah. I definitely still some still some things from him. Um, you know, in terms of lifting, uh, he's a big front squat front squat guy. Um, so I've implemented more front squats into um, you know what I do. Um, I can't hundred percent replicate his uh, his diet and his nutrition um, because I play defensive tackle, and if I did, I would be yeah. I would be a little too lean. Um, so, you know, I got to get a little more extra carbs than he does, but, um, definitely taking some things from him. He, he's, a, you know, he's, he's a smart guy. He knows how to, how to take care of himself and, and prepare. Um, and he's a good teammate too. What's the most unique part about that diet that you've seen? Something that people would, <laughs> I don't know, kind of be surprised by, shall we say? I'm, I haven't seen him eat. Well, there's carbs and vegetables. Obviously, there's carbohydrates and yeah, and uh, fruits and vegetables. But I haven't seen like what people know as carbs, like bread, pasta, rice, those type of things. I haven't. He doesn't eat any of that all year, like literally for like months straight. Just veggies, protein. Like he doesn't eat carbs. What we what people traditionally know as carbs for like a, the whole season. When I don't eat carbs, Eric, I don't know about you, but I get cranky. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's crazy because those carbs release, you know, like a feel-good endorphin. Like your body gets used to it. So, but I mean, he's been he's been doing it for, you know, a while now. So his body's kind of adapted. And that was his goal, too, to get, um, you know, get leaner, get get more, even more explosive. And so he's, he's changed his approach uh, even a little more. But that's. That's probably like the craziest thing that I've seen someone be able to do for that extended period of time. All right. You have D'Amico Ryan's leave as your defensive coordinator to go to become the head coach of the Houston Texans. You have Steve Wilkes, 
from Carolina come in to take over as your defensive coordinator? What will Steve Wilkes bring to you, and what will D'Amico Ryans bring to Houston? I think D'Amico, I'll start with D'Amico. He's going to bring a lot of great characteristics to uh, Houston. Um, he's a leader. He's a former player who played at a high level, uh, so he can relate to the players. Um, his leadership abilities, um, his his uh, his approach, um, you know, his his mindset of how he wants to create a culture and um, how he wants guys to play. Um, I think he'll be great for the organization and really, uh, you know, get get it turned around. So I'm excited for him um, and and that journey he's about to embark on. Um, and Coach Wilkes has been amazing thus far. Um, you know, we're we're we aren't changing much. But I think uh, Coach Wilkes brings a different, different element. Um, you know, he's more of a, he has been more of a secondary focus, back end um, coach um, throughout his career. So, uh, from a back end perspective, you know, communication and you know how we how we're you know um, covering guys in the back end, and I think uh, he's he's going to help us tremendously, and. Um, you know, he's, he's a great human being. He's a great leader as well. Um, he communicates effectively, clear, decisive. Um, you know what you're going to get out of him. And, uh, you know, I've had a, a few friends that played uh, for him before I met him. And, you know, before I even met Coach Wilkes, they text me like, man, you're going to love him. Um, he's, a, he's a great coach. You know what he is? He's a man of character. 100%. 100%. He is a great man. Yeah. And those type of guys, you, you, you know, those type of coaches, um, you rally around, you know, you'll, you'll lay it all out on the line for, because, uh, you know, they care about you. Um, you know, that, uh, what their, you know, what their intentions are and it's all for the betterment of you and the betterment of the team. Um, and so, you know, you, you love playing for a guy like that. You know, we've had Robert Sala go from the 49ers defense coordinator to head coach of the New York Jets. We've had D'Amico Ryans go from the 49ers defense coordinator to head coach of the Houston Texans. I know it's early. You still haven't seen Steve Wilkes in a game. Would it surprise you if Steve Wilkes were to go from 49ers defense coordinator to head coach somewhere in the NFL? It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I feel like he's more he would be more than capable of that. He has been a He's been a head coach before, um, and yeah, I could easily see him being being a head coach again. Um, you know, with the with the right situation, and um, if things things go that way, and if that's something that he, you know he wants to do. Okay, so you've been a great defensive lineman for the 49ers. You're a three time Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. We've got this inaugural dinner in Sacramento on Thursday night that benefits the Armstead Academic Project. But I want you to put on your insider cap and reporter and give me the lowdown on the 49ers quarterback situation, where it's at, and where you see it going this upcoming season, Eric. I see a competition, uh, you know, this offseason. Um, obviously, injuries come into play um, where guys are kind of at different levels. And um, so, you know, you, you don't know the timing of, of, uh, of that and everyone's health. But, you know, I think we're in a, a great situation in terms of having, um, you know, a talented room, a talented quarterback room and uh, guys are going to be hungry and competing. Um, and, you know, I can't wait to see it. Um, 
you know, I, I, I have faith in, in everyone in that room. Um, I feel like we've shown, you know, what type of team that we can be, um, you know, these past, past, uh, a lot of years now we've been, we've been in the mix, uh, competing at the highest level. And, um, so I'm excited, you know, I think, uh, we have a talented room. It's going to be competitive. You know, they're going to get after it and they're all going to be, you know, trying to prove themselves. How long did it take you last year to realize that Brock Purdy was better than the last pick in the draft? Uh, I mean, he did, he actually, he did some, some, there was a play in Minnesota preseason game that he did. I was like, yo, that was kind of different. He like rolled out to the right. Um, uh, it was pressure coming. He kind of gave a, gave a guy like a dead leg, spun back out to his left, and delivered a pass down the field. I was like, oh, I I haven't really seen I haven't really seen that in in you know uh, before. And um, he just just played free moxie. You could tell he's like a gunslinger. You know, can play backyard football. Just just a ball player, um, really. Um, but. You know, in terms of work being obviously uh, not Mr. Irrelevant to Mr. Relevant, um, you know, as soon as he came in, you know, game when um, when when uh, Jimmy went down and, you know, didn't look phased, carried himself well. And, you know, we end up winning the game and, um, you know, the last three of the draft sometimes never even makes it on on playing in a game on the NFL uh, field. So. Hey, let me tell you something. Last summer I watched him and I remember speaking to various members of your organization and saying that rookie quarterback popped to me. And I hadn't said that about many rookie quarterbacks in the preseason. I remember watching Russell Wilson when he was a rookie in the preseason and speaking to members in Seattle saying, wow, this guy can play. And the same was true of Dak Prescott in the preseason. Watched him that summer, flashed, spoke to some people in Dallas. I'm like, this guy can play. And I had the same reaction last summer watching Brock Purdy. Talk to people in your organization saying this guy, there's something to this guy. And even when Jimmy went down and Trey went down, I was not surprised to see some of the things that we saw. Now, again, he went different level in my mind, but I saw some of that. Yeah. What you saw in Minnesota. 100%. I mean, you could see, you could just, you could just tell sometimes, you know, how people carry themselves, how they, uh, how they play the game, you know, just, just some about, just something about them, you know, uh, they're just gamers. And that's definitely what Brock is. He's definitely a gamer. And you could tell that he played in a lot of big-time games, too. In college, you know, that that experience of playing in those games, you know, really helps. Okay, so here's the deal, Eric. If you get nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award and the 49ers advance to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, you're coming back on the podcast that week to talk about Trying to become the first guy since Andrew Whitworth to pull off the doubleheader of awards. Yeah, let's 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 do it, man. Let's let's speak it into existence. You know, let's uh, let's man let's uh, practice manifestation, and uh, let's get it done. What do you think I was doing? Why do you think I was bringing it up? I was putting it into the universe to try yeah. to make it a reality. Yeah, that's all you gotta do, and then just go go work for it. Hey, good luck with the event Thursday night. I hope it raises a ton of money. Congratulations on all the great work you're doing with the Armstead Academic Project and around in and around that city. And we'll be following and tracking you this year 
as you try to become the next Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner as well as a Super Bowl winner, Eric. <laughs> Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you. And there is the 49ers outstanding defensive lineman, Eric Armstead, whose inaugural kickoff for kids charity event benefiting the Armstead Academic Project, ensuring education equity for the next generation, which will take place Thursday night in Sacramento at the Kimpton Sawyer Hotel. Eric Armstead will be joined by 49ers players and legends and other Sacramento icons. A big event for a great cause Thursday night, the Eric Armstead kickoff for kids charity event benefiting the Armstead Academic Project. All right. I want to thank Eric Armstead for taking the time this week to join us. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll be back in this space with more information, insight, interviews. Until then, have a great week. Be well and stay safe.